Praise the Lord, everybody. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Would you offer up a hand clap of praise to the Lord Jesus? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you stand with me at this time? November 1st, 2023. Well, we're rushing headlong to Christmas. And uh, in uh, note of that, remember that our Kingdom Builders Banquet is coming up December the 10th. Put it on your calendars. You'll hear more about that very soon. We'll have a sign-up sheet. We'll have the banquet in here. It'll be catered, and we'll have Brother Darren Sargent in the morning and night. So we are going to have a very, very exciting and interesting time celebrating this past year and, of course, ushering Christmas. Praise God. I want to remind the assembly that we are uh, beginning the final phase of our construction in this, this level, and this hallway to the hospitality room is closed until further notice. Hopefully, the next two weeks, we'll be able to complete the project. And we thank uh, Brother Larry and Sister Anita Timmons. Of course, Brother Eric Wiley, who's been also helping out now. There's been tremendous progress made as a result of that. Would you give them a round of applause? Amen. Thank God for all that they do. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. This coming Saturday, 10 a.m., we have the annual planning session. All department leaders and uh, pastoral staff, please make sure you... You are there. I know uh, one will not be there. They're out of town. We certainly understand. Praise God. And then this coming Sunday morning, we'll be having our very first Kingdom Builders Expo Exposition. Hallelujah. Amen. Seeking volunteers. And uh, yours truly will be preaching on uh, being addicted to the ministry of the saints. Hallelujah. From 1 Corinthians 16. I'll be addressing that prior to uh, passing out those cards that will uh, ask and inquire about our folks uh, about what they can do and are willing to do for the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, before I go to prayer requests, I want to make sure also that uh, those of you that have personal belongings, toys, and other things in the back, if you would make sure you take it off that ledge from the sound booth uh, or we will have to dispose of it. Amen. Otherwise, maybe auction it up. Maybe we'll have a, a special auction just for a fundraiser for, for She's for Christ. Excuse me, move the mission. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, we want to pray again for uh, missionary Robert Check. He's still having pain in his back, and uh, it is excruciating. And, uh, we want prayer for him. Also, Sister Bonnie Goodison and Wayne Goodison, pray for them. Um, and we have uh, many, many other needs. Also, departmental leaders, uh, make sure you get your list in of uh, jobs uh, and particular needs for volunteers that, uh, that we have a need of from your department, okay? All right. All right. Anybody have a needer tonight? God, you want God to do some work in you? Hallelujah. Healing. Prayer answered. Let's pray all together, shall we? Lord Jesus, almighty God, we thank you that we can come before you at any time, day or night. You are a prayer-answering God. We look to you, O oh Lord, at all times. Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray for Brother Robert Chad. We pray for the Goodison family, O oh God. 
We pray for all those that have needs tonight, that are sick, those that cannot be here for whatever reason. We pray that you would reach out to them and a very special grace would flow to them and virtue of healing to touch their body. Lord, we give you the praise for it. We thank you for it. We ask your perfect will to be accomplished in the service tonight. And we give you the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Let the church say amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. I'd like to welcome Brother Sister Frost, pastors of the Apostolic Life Center in Willow Hills. And all of the saints that are here from there tonight, we welcome you. We want you to make yourself a home. We're so glad that you could be with us. We honor Brother and Sister Frost tonight. As they come, I'm going to introduce you tonight. First, they're going to spend a few minutes talking about sages for us who are over 55. Not all the 55 crowds say amen. All the 55 crowds say praise the Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. So I want to talk a little bit about... Uh, Brother, Sister Frost, Amen. Not that I like talking about people, you know, in, but talking about them in good way. And uh, I think some of the things that uh, that are in this bio, as I call it, uh, are actually very, very important. And uh, it, it lets you know uh, what these folks have experienced and done in their lives uh, to be where they are today. This, the whole subject of these series is, is about pathway to leadership. Many times we look at leaders at the top and we have really no idea of how they got there. And uh, the, the road up is really the road down. And it is a difficult road. And you mess, must pass many tests in order to get to the top. I'm not talking about tests that people uh, put you through. Well, although they do too. Amen. But it's, it's what the Lord designs for you and I to get to be the kind of person and integrity and character and dedication and commitment that he wants us to be in taking up our cross and following after him. And ministers are special. They're called by God. And it takes a call to be at the top. Moses didn't get to where he got to because he wanted to be there. God called him. Amen. Hallelujah. And this is his church. We are his people. And he puts in the leadership those who he wants there. Amen. If they're willing and yielded and to follow. And so let me read you a few things, a few things about uh, Brother Sister Frost. Beginning with Sister Frost, Ruth Brandon Frost. Hallelujah. Grew up in Heron, Illinois. Felt a call to serve in ministry. She served as a youth leader in West Monroe Apostolic Church. Graduated from Gateway College of Evangelism, served in home missions works in Wyoming, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania. She met Brother Tim Frost for, near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, while assisting a church there. Brother Frost was also called to the ministry. They married and had their son Michael in Pennsylvania before moving to St. Louis, where Brother Tim attended Gateway. Melissa, we know Sister Melissa. Now, this is. Hallelujah, right? Amen. Hallelujah. And, uh, and I'm so glad. We're so glad for Sister Melissa. Amen. We like her too, you know. Can you, can you realize that? Hallelujah. Just a little bit. Amen. Praise 
Amen. So Melissa was born in St. Louis, and the family supported the local church until moving to Springfield, Illinois, in 1983. In Springfield, Brother Sister Frost participated in children's ministry and led bus ministry in 1985, and the family returned to Pennsylvania, where Brother Frost had grown up, to assist the pastor in a suburb of Pittsburgh. They taught Bible studies and conducted outreach and served in whatever capacities were needed, always by vocational. That means you work and do ministry at the same time. Amen. Hallelujah. By vocation. And most of the, uh, the pastors in the United Pentecostal Church, I believe two-thirds are by vocation. Amen. And it's a hard work. And I uh, honor them for it. Amen. Always bivocational, uh, Brother and Sister Frost served in various roles while juggling the demands of secular work. Several moves around the Pittsburgh area prompted them to be a part of various congregations, always in support of the pastor. In 1992, Brother Frost's job moved the family to Cape Coral, Florida, a city of over 100,000 people at the time with no oneness apostolic church. In 1993, the Frosts answered the call to plant a church, hosting services first in a home, then moving to a storefront, renting a school auditorium, and finally buying and remodeling a building that the church still meets in today, 30 years later. Hallelujah. The Frosts pastored that work for almost 10 years before secular work transferred them, landing them back in the St. Louis area, and they became part of Section 4. They launched a daughter work in Lebanon, Illinois, from CTKO Found, this Christ the King uh, Apostolic Church of O'Fallon, before the Illinois district asked that they take the pastor at the Villa Hills Church. They have pastored that church for seven years. Uh, Brother Tim has served as sectional Sunday school director, and Sister Ruth serves in Villa Hills as a teacher, musician, event planner, and more. Amen. Boy, there's a lot that goes on to more. Hallelujah. At Villa Hills, praise God, and both my sister Frost have been bivocational throughout their ministry. Hallelujah! I would like for them to come platform. I would like all of you to give them a hearty welcome and God's blessings upon them as they share with us their pathway to minister and leadership, Brother Frost. It is such an honor to be here. It is an honor to be invited here. Praise God. We love you people. Um, I am happy to see some of our people here. Praise God. God bless them. I ask them to come. Hallelujah. But it is a privilege to be here. We're going to spend a little time laughing at some point. We're going to spend a little time serious. And I've already felt the presence of the Lord in this house. Hallelujah. Lift your hands right now. Let's give the Lord some praise. Thank you, Jesus. We 
glorify your name, Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Move in our midst tonight, Lord God. Anoint us, Lord Jesus. Touch our minds, touch our hearts, Lord God. Move us. Lord, we love you tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Let it consume you for this time. Let it move you for this moment. Hallelujah, Jesus. Isn't it refreshing? Glory to God. Hallelujah. We love the Lord tonight. That's why we're here. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, we want to start start tonight by presenting to you for just a few moments what Sages is. And before we have them run the video, which has Brother Bernard in it to kind of introduce this, I want all those that are 55 and older say, I can do. I can do. Come on, you can do better than that. I can do. All right, now you that are 55 or are 54 or younger say, you can do. You can do. Oh, that's great. Because <laughs> there is a going back and forth, a mentoring that takes place with sages um, that I think is just going to be a fantastic trade-off. Praise God. So I'm going to ask them to run the video right now. This will introduce sages. Sages is a new ministry of the UPCI for senior adults. Seniors are a growing demographic in our society and also in our churches, but they're often neglected or taken for granted. And many times we seek to engage youth and new converts, which is good, but we don't often pay attention to what's happening with our seniors. But I'm wanting to emphasize how important it is for us to involve our seniors. 
There's several reasons why we need a ministry such as Sages. First, as I've just suggested, to give our seniors meaningful involvement in the life of the church, to give them purpose. Second, to release their resources to bless the church. They have much experience, knowledge, and wisdom that can be a great blessing to everyone if only we will realize it, understand it. And then third, to build community among seniors in the local church and in the broader church, the church as a whole, so that seniors will realize they have many other friends and spiritual colleagues that can bless them and they can supply one another's needs in many different ways as they become connected and as they network. Seniors have unique contributions to make. I've already mentioned experience, knowledge, and in most cases, we hope, wisdom. At the same time, not only do they have much to contribute, but often seniors still have health and strength for many years of productive involvement. So in many ways, they have the best of both worlds. They have a lot to offer, and they have the ability to offer it. A lot of times, young people have great uh, vigor, but may not have as much to offer in the way of experience, knowledge, and wisdom. And then seniors often have a flexible schedule, and often they have some financial ability, some discretion to help the church. So for all these reasons, we need to mobilize senior ministers and senior saints. We need to find ways to invest their wisdom, their talents, their knowledge, and their experience in the kingdom of God. So I urge you to launch a ministry for seniors in your local church and to get connected with the Sages ministry in your district. You'll be blessed when you do. Praise God. You didn't know you were going to have Brother Bernard here tonight, did you? Sages is not just for the ministry. It is the idea of it is to eventually filter down to the local church to where the local church will be able to encourage those that might be setting back that maybe you feel like you don't have a whole lot to offer anymore or younger crowd, close your ears for a moment, or the younger crowd is t trying to step in and do a lot. Um, it's to pull you back in and let you know you have something still to give. You have a lot to offer. You've been through a lot of things. You've had a lot of experiences. And you've gained a lot of knowledge along the way. Sages is actually, the dictionary defines a sage as a profoundly wise person. Now, we wouldn't point at ourselves and say that. Or maybe you would. <laughs> but the person is famed for wisdom and respected for judgment and experience because passing years give experience. A sage is often seen as someone beyond middle age. I have told people as we've introduced sages to those at conference and at uh, ladies and men's conferences that sages has several purposes. First purpose is to pull people back in that have maybe gotten to the place where you don't feel like you can do a lot. And just being truthful, when you begin to have physical issues because of that age word, then you get to feeling like, well, maybe I can't do other things. 
But as we have grown in the Lord over the years, there is a lot that we still have to offer. And we need to offer it. We need to not set back. We need to give what we can give. Um, A child of God never retires from being a child of God. A preacher really never retires either. The other part of Sages is that it would reach and mentor younger people, pass on some of the experiences, even even, uh, that we would invite you out to dinner. I'm not going to invite all of you one time. But maybe you just sit around, develop a relationship. There's things that could pass at that table that might be helpful one to the other. It's strengthening the relationships and we're big on unity. God's big on unity. And if we can bring the older people and the younger people even closer together, then we've done a ministry in itself of uniting the church and making the church stronger. So to be able to say, I still have value, I can do. And if my wife had picked up a phrase, um, that we're going to borrow from the book of Joel, this is that that I can do. We live in a time when the Holy Ghost is being poured out in a much greater way. Hallelujah. So we live in that this is that time. But during the time that we live in, when prophecy is being carried out, we still have an individual ministry. And We minister to one another. So it's about that. Sages also is about missions trips. We're doing next year a mission trip to Trinidad, one to Tampa to help some local churches down there. Uh, We are having insight to help a pastor that is struggling with a small church, maybe give them a weekend off and step in and help them uh, do whatever that needs to be done for that church, on and on and on. It's endless. There's a cruise taking place next year, and the cruise is evangelistic of a sort because there's going to be people on board that, are, that don't have the Holy Ghost yet. They've been working with uh, individuals at the church, but they're, they're not filled with the Spirit yet. They're still praying for the Holy Ghost, and, and so there's going to be some ministry going on there. Sages is also about singing the old songs. During the services that we've been privileged to be a part of, um, there was a summit last year in in uh, St. Charles. There'll be another summit this year in April in St. Charles that you're all of you over 55 are welcome to attend. Um, it's kind of a planning session for the next year for Sages, but the old songbook songs were sung. Glory to God. You're kind of hesitant, which is okay. Maybe we ought to. They don't know the old song. Maybe we ought to open the songbook up and start singing something to see if you know it. Where's Sister Andrea? Yeah, you know those old songs. Oh, there you are, hon. <laughs> I see you. It's about singing the old songs because that's what a lot of us remember. 
but it's also about celebrating the connection to the new songs. Praise God. There's got to be a bridge. I believe the group that is over 55 at Brother Crossen's church is called Bridge Builders. And they've been doing this for quite some time, but we're, we're trying to make connections with uh, the older groups that are already existing. Section 1 has a uh, service, a senior service, um, the first Friday of every month, with the exception of, of uh, January, February, March, the first Friday of every month where the seniors get together and they have a service. And then they have food afterwards. Who doesn't? But they get together, they have fellowship, they connect with one another, and we're hoping to propose that here in our section. So that is a lot about sages. If you want to add something. For six years at Edward Jones, I worked as an event coordinator, and we walked into the hotel in St. Charles, and no one was at the registration table. Okay, don't panic. We're early. Then Sister Coon came in, table similar to this, and began to put name tags out and, and pieces of paper. And I sat there and I thought, I walked up and I said, honey, do you need some help? Oh, yes, yes. Now, she did not know my name. But there was a need. When she found out my last name, We used to walk around conference, and I would introduce my children. This is Michael, and this is Melissa. Now they walk around Bible cuisine and conferences and say, this is my mom, this is my dad. Now, if you happen to see a lady put a paper bag over her head, that just may be our daughter. Because she knows that her dad is very reserved, and he's the preacher in the family. But her mother is a loose cannon. <laughs> and she's the harper in the family. But back to Sages, and I did help Sister Coon. <clears throat> she went back to her room and told her husband, that lady was very helpful to me. She knew what she was doing. I had done it for six years with Edward Jones. So, we're having coffee, trying to meet new people. Guess who comes up to my table? Brother Coon is standing there. Can you draw? Well, yeah. I, I, I thought Melissa was at it again. I thought she told her, my mom draws real well. I don't. But he said, can you draw? And I said, well, yeah. He gave me five minutes to do this elaborate spread. Well, fortunately, my husband stayed with me because I was in a separate room, and I'd get one chart done, and he'd run it over to Brother Coon, and then I'd get another chart done, and he'd run it over to Brother Coon. 
when I got done and out of breath, he said, now, will you stay up here and write on all the paper? Sure. I can do that. That was the initial summit. And ever since then, when they realized that our daughter was Melissa Frost, they have depended on us. But it was that initial step to say, do you need some? I don't have to preach or harp this group of people. Y'all, Pat, you are great. He's trying to cut her off. I can still talk. <laughs> Does she have the bag on her head yet? But yes, 55 plus. We were at the Illinois Ladies Conference. I'm going to put a bag on my head. Check, check. We were at the Illinois District Ladies Conference presenting uh, Sages, and Brother Bernard's tape did not work. Huh. What am I going to do? So I had to verbally explain what he was talking about. But at the initial summit, they had requested the senior choir group from the sanctuary to come and sing the old songs as well. And there was a 90-plus-year-old lady on a walker, a part of the senior choir, That lady was the cook at Gateway College of Evangelism when I went there. Actually, when both of us went there, she See? crossed over. She crossed over, but she got with it. She was on a walker, but that walker was bouncing when the <laughs> singing was going on. She was worshiping God. She was letting God. She was letting God know she's still there. She can do it. Am I done now? Yeah, I'm done. Praise God. Praise God. We, we still have ability. Young people, look to your elders. Look for examples. Look for things that you can gain from them for the future. Hallelujah. God has a purpose in us being here. We're still here. If he didn't have a purpose in us being here, I think he would have called us home. And you say, well, that covers a lot of ground. Yes, it does. That's what sages is about. Praise God. We need to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength forever. I said forever. I said forever. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
We have a brochure uh, stand back there by the table. Uh, there is information on SAGES. If you're interested, the easiest way to sign up for SAGES, and we're going to cut the SAGES part of this short here, but the easiest, part, easiest way to sign up for SAGES is to go on Facebook and look for UPCI SAGES. Um, you'll ask to be a part of it. Brother Kuhn will eventually uh, approve you, and there is a lot of giving and taking, a lot of testimonies, um, a lot of information. Uh, there is a blog, just for example, Brother and Sister Morris put out a blog on Sages that talks about grandparents raising grandchildren, and it is excellent. It is excellent, but that's just a taste of some of the things that you'll see on there. You'll be able to be a blessing to somebody else. There is also a website, uh, UPCI Sages. Uh, the website is, it's not up to speed completely yet, but it will be. Uh, so you can go on there to the website. Uh, one other thing you can do is there are some forms back there that you can fill out with your email address on that. And we will pass that on to Brother Kuhn. And you will get on the email list. Um, I know we all love email lists. But... There will be uh, emails sent out periodically that will talk about what is happening and the dates that it is happening. So it is just really a great thing, uh, just getting off the ground. Uh, I pray that you'll be a part of it if you're 55 and older. Praise God. God will bless you for it. Amen. We're going to switch gears a little bit here. And uh, again, I, I feel it's a great honor to be asked by your pastor and the church here to allow us to come and speak on leadership. Thank you, Brother brother Sabalchi. We think so much of you and your, your life. Um, we appreciate you folks very much. I feel like our daughter ought to be up here because she is so much a part of a lot of what we're going to say. Um, but we want to talk about leadership as you've been talking about leadership. Praise God. So we're going to start off by telling our personal journeys. Um, mine will be reserved and hers will be. I was baptized when I was around 10 years old. I actually, I'll make a connection. Uh, when I was born, my family was attending Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis. Brother Urshan was the pastor. Um, we moved away from there when I was about four years old. And just a quick, just a quick story here. Uh, when I was 17, 18, Brother Urshan, and I had not seen him much over the years at all, but he knew my grandfather, uh, Leslie Spillman. And my grandfather was a minister, had a church outside of Indianapolis. Uh, but when I was around 16, 17, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, they had a, a tri-state Jesus rally that was done on the college campus at a cathedral there. Uh, we rented the cathedral, and Brother Urshan was the speaker. And I helped with some of the setup and kind of got around to where I was. I, I wasn't pushing myself, but got, I was close to him, and he kind of looked up at me, and I said, you don't remember me, do you? He said, yes, I do. You're Tim Frost. Yeah. 
I was amazed at the man's memory. Praise God. But we moved away from there when I was uh, around four years old to Pennsylvania. I was baptized around 10, the age of 10. I was filled with the Holy Ghost at the age of 12. I was about four feet to the right of the pulpit in the youth camp in Forks, Pennsylvania. I will never forget where I was and how it happened, and I spoke in tongues for two hours straight. Hallelujah, Jesus. I was called to preach at that same campground uh, at the age of 16. Uh, we, they had a bonfire service, and they asked us all to fill out what our burden was on that sheet of paper, and I f- was feeling the call to preach, wrote it down, cast it into the fire. I hesitated because I'm not one to say a lot about myself in terms of bragging or anything, but I think it was that same year that I got Camper of the Year Award. (laughs) Now, what does that mean? Yeah, my sister got it that same year, too. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're done. But I will tell you that my teen years were not easy. Um, and we're going to be a little transparent with you here. My teen years were not easy. I was in and out of the church. Um, was mostly due to a split dysfunctional home life. Um, And I'm not going to get into details, but it was hard. It was hard. But there was one thing that always stuck with me, and that was keep running back to God. Keep running back to God. Answers weren't always present. And at my age, struggling with a lot more than just family and church and I was growing. Um, it was just a tough time, but there was still that thing of don't give up. I've looked back on it years later, and I've realized, but for the grace of God, I may not be here because of some of the things that took place. But for the grace of God, I might be in jail. But considering some of the things that took place and some that I got involved in. But for the grace of God, but for the touch of the Savior, glory to God. And so that part was kind of back and forth, but uh, then there came a time that I had to make up my mind And, yeah, there were times that I ran to the altar in trying to get back to to the Lord and get back to the church. And uh, there were the really traumatic times of doing that. Praise God. I thank God for those times. I look back to them and know that I can do that now. It's never too late to run back to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. But God sent somebody 
to tell me that God was preparing a helpmeet for me. Even before we met, God was preparing somebody for me. Praise God. He really didn't want to be classified as ruthless, so he found someone with the name Ruth. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. When I was at Gateway as a student, I was highly favored among some of the instructors. I don't know why. But one individual said it was because I used the word evangelism in one of my testimonies. And the individual was Brother Parkey. Are you cutting me off again, boy? Brother Parkey recognized something in my testimony. When I was at the age of seven, I made a beeline to the altar at my home church in Southern Illinois. I heard the voice of God at the age of seven. I didn't quite understand. I didn't quite understand it, but I had a praying, dedicated mother. My dad was also filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in that wonderful name of Jesus before my mother would marry him. But unfortunately, they lost their first child at the age of two. My mother became more of a stalwart determined, I'm going to see my baby again. My dad kind of became a recluse in religion. He would attend church. He made all of us kids, and I'm the youngest of the six kids. He made all of us go until they reached a certain age. But being the youngest, I always had to go but I don't regret that. So between the ages of 10 and 12, I had my experience with the Lord and baptized in his name and and received the Holy Ghost. And that voice was still there. Now, some of you young people listen up real good to me. You don't know what a ringer washing machine is. My mother was down in the basement doing laundry on a ringer washer. And she used that as an object lesson. Ruth Ellen, you've got a call upon your life. The name Ruth means compassionate friend. 
Now, all my friends are Nancy and Kimmy and Debbie and Jody. I'm Ruth. But when I recognized that I can be a friend to anybody, that I can be moved with compassion on anybody, then that ministry began to take hold. And my mom used a ringer washer. You're going to get agitated sometimes just like a ringer washer. You're going to have to go through the ringer sometimes with your call. And sometimes you're going to be rinsed over here in this one tub. And sometimes you're going to have to be rinsed over here in this other tub. But you're going to come through on the clothesline, bright and shining, wrung out for Jesus. And clean. And clean. And clean. That was my mama. Maybe I caught a little bit of her fire. But she wanted to go see her baby again. Now, Google is like, am I done or do I keep going? Google is like gooey butter cake. It is sweet and enticing and full, but you can get too much of it and get sick. I got onto Google. Melissa taught me how to do things sometimes. Got onto Google, found some quotes. Well, there's 33 by this president. There's 50 by this person. There's all different kinds of categories. And I said, uh-uh, those people don't want to stay till midnight. I'm not going to use those quotes. But there was one quote that I'm going to use. Not out of Google. Out of the book. Out of the book. It's in Romans 4, verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. But while we were in transition from Florida... And saints, I did not want to leave Florida. Well, let's, let's go back a second. Let's go back a second. Okay. You know, this is about leadership. And, and we're getting to some of, the, some of the meat and some of the core of this. But we got to tell you our story in order for you to understand where some of this is coming from. So my job wanted us to move to Florida. Wanted me to take a lumber yard down there, manage it. You know, God knew what he was doing, but I didn't know what he was doing at the time. And I came home and told Sister Frost, they want us to move to Florida. They're asking us to move to Florida. And she started almost jumping up and down. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, no, absolutely not. I did not want to go. I did not. I'd never been south of Virginia. It was like moving to a different country, and that was my attitude. And, you know, why would we do this? We'd uprooted our, would be uprooting our kids, which they were uprooted several times in, in the years that they were growing up, and I thank God for them. 
Uh, they're not kids anymore. I have to say that so she gets the bag off her head. Um, but there came a time that there was a pastor in Florida close to where we were going that we had known, and, and I called him one night. And in the middle of that conversation, I began to speak in tongues and could not stop. And the, the minister friend down there said, he's getting his answer right now. Hallelujah. And God changed my heart. And so eventually we wound up, you've heard some of the history, starting the church in Florida and pastoring there, which was God's plan all along. Hallelujah. So there's still a church there. Praise God because God was able to change my heart. Be careful of your heart. If you're seeking to be a leader, you've got to know how to listen to God. And if you don't know how to listen to God, you better get your flesh out of the way. And hallelujah, be prepared because God will speak into your life one way or another. Glory to God. Go ahead and finish. When he received that confirmation to move to Florida, Mike, Michael, and Melissa... And Mama began to go through the drawers at our house looking for some money. Because, saints, we didn't have any money. I told the children, let's get our pots out. And we had a little stoop on the side of our kitchen. And we staggered those, stop, those pots on that stoop. And we prayed. We found $2.32 in the house. God, you called us to Florida. Now you're going to provide. So when God says that, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. But there was a process. And that's something that I have clung to for a long time. It's not in that scripture, but it's at the end. If you will remove that little period, but there's a process Hallelujah. that you have to go to through. Am I back to harping or am I back to? Well, let's move into the leadership. Okay. Praise God. We're, we're keeping you a long time, and we have, we have more to say. Uh, praise God. Is this okay? Oh, I have, I have one more thing. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> Off and on, I was in and out going to, with Gateway because I would represent Gateway to various sections and areas of the states, and and. I helped to do a church plant in Rollins, Wyoming, and uh, one of the first services, a lady came in and said, I've waited for 14 years because I have been wanting to be baptized in Jesus' name. 14 years. She didn't know how or where or who to go to, but the pastor that I uh, moved with with his family, knocked on the door. 
she came to church. I left Rollins because Gateway called me back. And when I left, she was still a member. Now, that's been years ago. That was back in the 70s. But you never know who's been waiting 14 years. She wanted to be baptized because she saw it in Scripture. After we were asked to come, um, of course, a lot of things had run through our mind. And, and thinking about our lives and about the history, um, what we've already lived personally, there's been spans of time when laughter just, it came spontaneously more to my wife than to me. Uh. And to our daughter. Yeah. Um, times when there were tears that seemed more appropriate. There's been time, times when direction was a question mark. And then there was self-examination after the fact. Even though God had shown us that we should move to Florida, there were still those times did we do the right thing. And was that right thing God's will? Was it his directed path? Leadership can be defined as that which you do at any given time that may not be what you want or even what you feel like you need, but what others need in order to make a difference for their direction. Leadership is not about you if you're trying to be a leader. It's about the people that are being led. As we search after God, what we're searching after is an anointing that will precede us and follow us. Anointing is not about fulfilling us. It's not about fulfilling us. Everybody point to yourself. It's not about fulfilling us, even though it can confirm that. It's about sending a message to the intended recipient that God is involved, and when he is involved, there will be a supernatural movement to an expected end. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and hearken unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me, and ye shall find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. 
This passage in Jeremiah is something that a leader needs to have hidden away in your heart, that the times of questioning when they come up, hallelujah, will prod you to search out this scripture and understand God's intent for you. Leadership means when you miss the plan, you don't mess up by not doing what it takes to get back on the plan. It means that when you're in step with the plan, that you still pray because the next step is coming. Remember Elijah on Mount Carmel. Even though the prophets of Baal were done, they were gone, and it was all over, and he had a victory, but he still went back and he started praying again. He wanted to stay with the plan. He wanted to know what was ahead. As a leader, you're not always going to hit the plan, but you always have the opportunity to get back on the plan. So through our lifetime, when the questions came up, did we do the right thing? It was kind of like we, we may or may not have, but we're going to do the right thing now. When we moved to Florida, we knew it was God taking us there. But while we were at Florida, did we do everything correctly during that time? And I know this is about big moves and it's about uh, something that may not apply to you because you may have lived here all of your life. But it does apply to your spiritual life and the fact that you're leading somebody else or that God is raising you up to lead somebody else and you need to recognize, hallelujah, that there's going to be times there's going to be a question mark, but you've got to face that question mark and turn around and get a hold of God and say, okay, God, there's a question mark, but God, what is the direction that you want me to have? A true leader gets back on the plan. Now, some of this is a little generic. It's, it's, talking, it's not talking about certain specifics that we've learned, uh, situations uh, to, uh, you know, how to deal with them, how to come back, how, how to go God's, God's way, how to have God's purpose. Hallelujah. But we need to live our lives God's way that we might, Think of other people because that's the way God intended for things to happen. Things might affect you, but we need to get back on the plan. Praise God. Praise God. Have I learned anything in life? Have I learned how to be a leader? I'm still learning. I'm still seeking God, but I have had people in my life that have shown me the way to a certain extent. There was a district superintendent by the name of Brother Tuttero in Pennsylvania District when I was growing up. Um, he was in leadership when I won the camper of the year. He liked me. I'm glad somebody said hallelujah. But I want to tell you what kind of man he was. They had a, uh, an area in the campground that was set up for district board meetings, just like they have it here. Um, and 
one day they were walking around the campground looking for Brother Tuttero because they needed to have a board meeting. And the board meeting, it was about time to have the board meeting. And they could not find him, looked high and low, could not find him. And finally, they found Brother Tuttero back in the back of the kitchen washing dishes. Washing dishes. And they said, Brother Tuttle, you shouldn't be back here. You shouldn't be doing it. Let somebody else do this. And he said, no, this is good for me. So I have had people in my life that have shown me the way of leadership. The way of leadership is to serve. Don't look at anybody like you're, you're there to tell them what to do. Praise God. Look at it like you're there to serve them. When Jesus called his disciples... He expected them to become fishers or leaders of other people. He also expected them to have struggles, taught them how to deal with those issues. Do you think the Sermon on the Mount was only written to those that were sitting there? We still refer to it today, right? The disciples weren't there at that Sermon on the Mount as an accomplished church board, presbyters, or superintendents. There were a lot of things that were mentioned in that Sermon on the Mount that they hadn't yet learned, and they needed to learn them. I'm going to mention one more person, then I'm going to let my wife talk for a little bit. She'll get you laughing. Hannah was a leader. We don't quite look at her like that. But Hannah was somebody that um, sacrificed having her son with her because she had sought God. God answered her prayer and made her a promise So she kept her promise back to God. What a heart-wrenching sacrifice it was that Hannah would present her son back to the servitude of the Lord. Praise God. But having received what she needed from the Lord, she was willing to give it back. And if we go to the first book of 1 Samuel, you don't all have to turn there, but if we go there and we look at it, it says in verse 26 of chapter 1, and she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee, speaking to Eli, praying unto the Lord. And then she said, for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I have asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to embarrass you. But we gave our kids back to the Lord. Uh-oh, me now. It's my turn. We gave our kids back to the Lord. Hallelujah. And they, they are serving God, and I'm so thankful for that. And I pray, hallelujah, for children that are, are still coming back, are still coming back, 
are still coming back. Praise God. If you want to lead somebody, be an example to somebody that still needs to come back. Glory to God. Be an example to them. Praise God. While at Gateway, and I'm, go I'm going to make reference to Brother Parkey several times, I, uh, and Melissa was dedicated by Brother Parkey, by the way. Um, I had a dream. And you're going to say, oh, da -da 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 -da. no, it was a dream from the Lord. And it was stirring my soul. And my mother called me the same week that I had this dream. And she said, Ruth Ellen, where are you moving? I said, what? She said, I had a dream this week. I saw two suitcases by the front door. And I saw you getting ready to leave. So where are you moving to? I said, well, Mom, I've had a dream. And in this dream, and Melissa knows the story, I saw five doors. Each door had a question mark on it. I couldn't figure that out. I was content at Gateway. I found favor with Brother Parkey. I attended Guy Rome's church. I was special. I was content. But the dream was there. The same week that my mother called me, a friend that I used to go out on evangelistic trips with, she called me and said, what's going on down there? I said, what are you talking about? She said, I had a very disturbing dream that you're not happy that you need to move away from Gateway. I had from Oregon down to North Carolina pastors asking five doors. So I went to Brother Parkey. I'm disturbed. And he had previously preached a sermon at chapel about Joseph and the dreams. I said, Brother Parkey, something is stirring with inside of me. And he said, Sister Ruth, you have to learn how to expect the unexpected. He said, you have my blessing to move. We'll find somebody to replace you here at Gateway. Well, word began to circulate. I'm sitting in Brother Rome's church, which is now uh, Brother Bachelor, Aaron Bachelor's church. And a lady came up and said, I feel impressed to tell you you're going to be married within a year. Say what? <laughs> no way. The door that I decided to walk through. You are recording this, right? Don't send it to Brother Cotharp. <laughs> the door I felt like I should walk through led me to Pennsylvania. And at the request of someone I had just met, she wanted me to come down to her little apartment. She had a surprise for me. I walked in. 
and this six foot four, dark haired, dark eyed. Now I'm gonna put the hair the back. <laughs> dimple cheeked individual stood up when I walked in. He was on his way to the Air Force until he saw my blue eyes. He substituted the blue skies for my blue eyes. Our first child, Michael Jeremy, was born two years later after we were married. Saints, if you're expecting a, a child, be careful what you name that child. Don't just pull a name off of a fig tree. Think about it. Pray about it. That boy was going to be David Brandon Frost until the ninth month. And my husband surprised me. He said, the Lord has just told me, call him Michael Jeremy. Say, well, what? what? <laughs> What about Brandon? <laughs> no. Michael Jeremy means a gift from God in both Hebrew and Greek. Jeremy and Michael kind of means the same thing. Move back to, to Gateway. Someone who won the award at Pennsylvania camp also won the award for the best student of the year at theology student at Gateway. He wasn't even in the ceremony to receive it. He was outside mowing the, the lawn. He was the maintenance man. So I get this knock on the door and it was Brother Parkey and said, where's Brother Frost? He's out there mowing the grass. Well, here's his award. And I cried, Brother Parkey, I just found out I'm going to have a baby. Oh, great, great. No, no, <laughs> no. I just have a nine-month-old baby here. I don't want another baby. Learn to expect the unexpected. Melissa's name means sweet as honey. But... I thought you would like that. Her middle name is Christine, which means Christian. But in Gaelic, Melissa means a servant. I didn't know that. Praise God. Now, we've kept you here a long time. And we've... Yeah, well, we've told a lot of stories, but to be a leader, there needs to be some perseverance involved. There needs to be some understanding involved. There needs to be a learning spirit. There needs to be that spirit that says, God, if I'm on the wrong track, put me right back on the, on the right track. Leadership isn't so hard if you learn to know 
who you're leading and know already who is leading you. We've dropped some names. I'll drop another one. Brother J.D. Stallard was vice president of Gateway, and I sat in on a, a, leader, a teaching class years ago that I'll never forget some of the, what he taught. But one of the things that he said was, uh, a teacher hasn't taught if a student hasn't learned. You can't learn to lead if you can't learn to follow. Um, sometimes we scratch our head and wonder, how did we get this far? Well, in the ministry, in us pastoring and starting church and carrying on and out Villa Hills, and uh, a calling is something that won't let you go. How many of you feel called to something? Well, let me tell you, all of you are called to something. Every person here is called to something. You're called to follow the Lord. You're called to help your fellow person. You're called to lead. If you don't feel like a leader right now, Praise God, the longer you follow God and the longer you make him the priority, God's going to make you a leader of some kind. God's going to develop you and help you. And you say, well, it's not easy. And I didn't say it was easy. God never said it was easy. But he said he'd take you through whatever comes your way. Praise God. Hallelujah. He said he'd bring you out of whatever you're going through. Glory to God. I've had suggestions that I give up the church when the health was pressing on me. But I have a calling. And I have a burden. And I don't feel a release. And I know God's going to do something for us. And we've got a vision. We're using sages as an outreach in the coming year for our church. We're starting up grief share in the coming year to help people get through grief, the loss of a loved one. But a calling is something that won't let you go, and I say that because I go back and forth here for the moment talking about the calling to be a minister and the calling that we have as Christian people. A calling is something that won't let you go. And when you feel it beginning to not feel like that, get hungry again. Do whatever it takes to get hungry again. As I was praying over here before service and begin to feel the power of God, hallelujah, I understood, hallelujah, that God is at work because people are hungry for him. Because people are calling out to him. Because people are worshiping him. We've had successes. At times we feel like we've had some failures, but successes are not defined by numbers or popularity. Right. 
Successes are more defined by the evidence of the anointing of God at work. That you can see that God's doing something. So take some time as you learn to be leaders that you will examine what's happening in your life and the lives of those around you and see what God's doing. (coughs) And if you feel that God's not doing something, then spend a little time talking to the Lord. Get into the Word of God. Hallelujah. He'll help you figure it out. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your leaders that you respect. Bring them into the loop. Praise God, because they will help you get to where you need to be. Glory to God. We've taken a long time. I'm not going to apologize. We've told you some necessary stories, been transparent in part of our lives, and and, uh, probably been too transparent with our daughter's life. (laughs) But... God's blessed us over the years. We've had struggles. We've had hard times. We've we've had times that we've had to look at each other and say, we're just going to go on. Hallelujah. And that's what leadership is about too. But I understand God's purpose. And I want to say one more thing, and I know my wife probably has a few more things to say. But... I've been reading a book by Brother Eugene Wilson called 70. Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous book. Talks about building teams. It talks about building leadership and how that you do that and how that you use people and how that you give people the latitude to make their own mistakes and then learn from them. And I have to say that I see that in your pastor. Can we give him... And Sister Dory, a hand. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So we're gonna we're gonna close here in just a second. We could go on and on and on. I, I thought as we were ta- uh, thinking about what we were gonna bring to you tonight, um, I could have gone just with bullet points on leadership. But we needed to tell you our story. We needed to tell you our story. God is not done with any of us. We're still here. Hallelujah. And we can do. Praise God. Also in leadership, you're going to be hurt. Do not... shy away from the spirit of offense there's a quote that I found on Google the spirit of offense hears things that were never said it perceives an insult when none was given There's also, now these are spirits with a small s. There's a spirit of jealousy. You're going to be in leadership, and someone's going to be jealous, and they're going to raise their little head up and fight you with 
tooth and toenail because they're jealous. Now, I cannot play like Sister Andrea. I cannot sing like Sister Becky, but I do what I can. I can do. Sister Kuhn, do you need any help? Sister Melissa, do you need any help? Sister Becca, whoever's teachers here, do you need any help? Don't offer offense or jealousy. Second point I want to make, and I'll close. Really, I, I won't harp anymore. Communicate with each other. I was going to make a wonderful impression when I walked through a door number five. And I set up on the second pew, piano side, aisle seat. I was going to impress the new church. And all of a sudden, I felt a, felt a wallop on my shoulder. Move it, move it, move it, move it. I looked up, and there was this elderly gentleman. Move, move, move. I had taken his seat. <laughs> now, if somebody in leadership would have told me, don't sit there, Brother Chirsky has a cane, and he will wallop you, I would not have sat there. You have to communicate. If you are an usher in this church and you see somebody sitting in Sister Melissa's chair, <laughs> you better warn him. But in leadership, you have to communicate. I'm done. Praise God. Parting words. Parting words for her, now my parting words. <laughs> Hannah offered up her son back to the Lord. Offer yourself up. I stand one, two. Stand with me if you would. Thank you, Brother Sister Frost, for sharing, being open and transparent and willing to share of your lives. Many of the good things and some of the bad things that all go into making us to who we are as leaders. We find that the road on this pathway to leadership uh, does not require perfection from us, but it is a process of being perfected. And it starts from the time that we're born again. Hallelujah, until Jesus calls us home. There's an old saying in the Hungarian tongue, which means a good priest, a good preacher, will learn all the way till he's dead. Amen. Hallelujah. We keep on learning. Leadership is constantly learning. You will never stop learning until the day you die. Amen. And we got to keep at it. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Brother Sister Frost, again for sharing yourselves and giving your life.
to the kingdom and placing your lives and that of your children on the altar of sacrifice because that's what is demanded. And being such a great example to us and bearing that cross that is so important and necessary and gave us a good example. I hope you know you have taken the heart of my message from Sunday <laughs> about the focus on others. That's exactly what I'm be preaching on. Hallelujah. Focusing on others and making that shift as a sign of maturity. Praise God. Amen. Let me just say this, this uh, one more thing. You know, Brother Mike Poole a couple of weeks ago preached on the message of, uh, of lifting up hands. I think it's the one that's uplifting hands. Lifting hands, right? Amen. Well, he preached on Moses going up to the top of the mountain and Aaron and her coming alongside. You know, while Brother Frost was talking, I looked at him with my Bible, Exodus 31, pardon me, I digressed here. You know, we're talking about sages. You know, we think a lot of times that Aaron and her were young people that coming alongside. They weren't young people. Aaron and her, Aaron was older than Moses was. He was his older brother. Her was a grandfather. In fact, I looked it up in Exodus 31. Her's grandson, Bezalel, was chosen by God, who was an artificer and a great uh, artist in, in, in cutting jewels and stones uh, for the high priest. And Aaron and her, they were great leaders. In fact, when Moses went up to the mount, he left Aaron and her in charge of the camp. Says, if anybody has a matter, go see Aaron and her. I'm talking about elders that were there to support Moses. Hallelujah. When he got tired. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying this. The Amalekites attacked Israel in the rear as they were coming out of Egypt out of, after 400 years of slavery. And Moses appointed Joshua, the younger man, to get some men together and fight the battle. He says, I'm going to take the rod of God and I'm going to go up to the mountain. I'm going to hold it up and I'm going to be praying for you while you fight the battle. So here's Moses and two other elders, sages. You know what a sage is? Somebody who is blessed and venerated for wisdom. It's being honored for being wise and having learned wisdom. We honor you tonight too. Amen. Hey, I'm on as sages, as wise, the wisdom you have acquired and passed on to us. But there was Aaron and her uplifting the hands of Moses. But think of this, sages. The young people were fighting the war in the valley. And the elderly were up lifting up their hands because they couldn't fight the war like the young people came. I'm talking about the youth and the elderly, the sages, locking together for one singular battle because the young people are at war. There's a war on our young people today. They're in the trenches. They're fighting like no one has ever tried to be fighting them before. And it's up to us elderly. It's up to us parents. It's up to us wise and sages to lift up our hands. And why we lift up our hands praying that our young people can have the victory that they need in this 21st century. Oh, hallelujah. I'm talking about sages and young people. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel like we've got a mission here. I feel unity here, Brother Frost. Amen. It's the young and the old locking arms together to fulfill the will of God in Belleville, Illinois. That's what we're needing. I'm not just here throughout the United States and the world. Mm. The bottom line, there is a work to do for everybody. As I mentioned just last week, hallelujah, week before, I don't know when I said it. Praise God, but don't let what you can't do stop you from doing what you can. And remember this Sunday, hallelujah, we're going to give you an opportunity to commit to more and to sign up to things, and not just for people who are already involved, but those who are not as much involved as you could be. There's more that you can do, and between now and Sunday, continue to pray and ask God to show you what he wants you to do. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. You see, we want all of us to become successful and fulfilled in the will of God. In the eight years that I have been a part of North, Americans, North American Missions, as director for Illinois, everywhere I went, I kept telling all of our home missionaries, not to worry about numbers, but do your very best at what God called you to do. Because success is only three things. Success is being faithful to your call, being faithful to God, and being faithful to the message. That's the only three things. Hallelujah. When Jesus calls in the faithful followers, he'll he not say, welcome home, my faithful pastor, preacher, son. No, no. He says, welcome, my, my good and faithful servant. Servant. Amen. It's gone all on faithfulness. Amen. See, Jeremiah <clears throat> preached for a whole generation and he wept over the people that were lost, his own people, Israel. He didn't have one convert. Not one convert. But we got two books in the Bible, don't we? Wasn't he successful? Yes, he was. Because he was faithful to God faithful to his call, and faithful to his message. That's the most important thing that you and I have to remember. In whatever capacity, we'll serve the Lord. Amen. Would you just lift up your hand and worship him for a moment? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, hallelujah, we thank you for the moving of your spirit. Oh, God, let your perfect will be accomplished to each and every one of us. Lord, have your perfect will. Lord, touch our young people. Call them in the night, Lord. Give them dreams and visions. God, touch the hearts of each and every one, oh, God. Oh, touch the hearts of the backsliders, Lord. Draw them back to this oasis of living water. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.